0: Hi, welcome to episode 652 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I'd like to announce that I'm joining the British Royal Family. Every week on the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one, and here I am. On this episode, it's Fantastic Four volume six, number 17, released in December 2019, last month. Point of origin, part four, Secret Agenda, written by Dan Slott, art by Luciano Vecchio, Carlos Magno, Sean Izaxi, and uh, Bob Quinn. Ugh, why can't they even keep the same artist for an entire storyline? The artist is the most important person on a comic book. And this Fantastic Four run can't keep one for more than a few issues. It's very annoying. The issue begins with a flashback to a time period similar to that of Fantastic Four issue 1. On the planet Spire, we learn that Kayla, who would later become the superpowered character Sky, she was the one who was using the Great Eye to look for a soulmate. And it found her one on Earth. And somehow, this is how the Fantastic Four discovered the planet Spire, and decided to make it their first mission to visit. Which of course, was totally not the purpose of their first spaceflight flight in issue one. The original mission was to beat the commies into space. I could understand why the mission had to change over the years, but this crap about wanting to visit the planet Spire. We're going way off base from what the original mission was. So Kayla feels responsible that the Fantastic Four no they're there, and are coming to destroy them. I have no idea why they're under the impression that the Fantastic Four plan to destroy them. This is a part of the story that makes no sense to me at all. I guess maybe their media has beaten this idea into them on a daily basis in order to get higher ratings, and now they're all over now they're all crazed up about the Fantastic Four. The overseer appears in the sky for the city folk to see, and he says, There's good news. The Fantastic Four's rocket which they were coming their way. How do they know where the FF were going, by the way? That rocket crashed, and they can all breathe a sigh of relief. After his message is over, back in the tower, some dude asked the overseer what he's not telling everyone. He says that the people on that ship that crashed, they also got superpowers. He says they're all doomed. What a drama queen. These people are the worst. So this is when the Overseer hatches the idea of using cosmic rays to give the people of Spire superpowers too. One dude is like, you wouldn't dare. We've reached a state of perfection. And he's worried about mutations, impurities. He thinks the whole thing, he thinks the whole idea is vile. Everyone else is like, oh, you're so scared. They all wanna try the cosmic rays. Mmm, yummy, yummy cosmic rays. Next, we see that the skeptical guy from earlier, his name is Ai-Lin, and he's getting his cosmic ray treatment. He ends up getting the better end of the stick, getting his water powers and calling himself Elementa the Water Witch. Oh, they really are the perfect society, if a man can openly refer to himself as a witch. Oh, if only I could ai Lin's friend, Crum, who is gung-ho about this entire thing, he gets into the Cosmic Ray machine, and things don't turn out as well. He mutates into the big gray monster, King Scrum. This is bad news for Scrum's family, but good news for the local rugby team. Overseer is like, remove this creature. And Crum is like, hey, I'm not a creature, I'm Crum. Overseer says, well, you're a Scrum now. And you have Scrum chained up and lowered down into Lowtown. In the present, we see the Thing, King Scrum, and the other monsters climbing the steep walls that lead from Lowtown to Hightown. The monsters are worried about getting seen as they climb the walls together. Ben is like, What's the worst they could do? Knock us down? What a dumb question. The worst they could do is kill them. Above them... A big glowing eye appears and tells them, I see you. Stop this right now. Return to Lowtown immediately. This is your final warning. And so, the monsters, they stop, and they turn around. Yeah, right. Of course not. They keep going, and Ben gives a motivational speech about how the high and mighty types are always trying to keep the other guys down, down to rock bottom. They keep climbing, and Ben finally busts through a wall. A woman screams, and he says... Sorry to intrude, Granny. You might want to put a robe on or something. Okay, so wait a minute. He's just busting through a wall of some old woman's house and ogling her naked body. That's gotta be some form of sexual harassment. Ben should really be dragged on Twitter for this. Back in Hightown, the two solar-powered lesbians are trying to find Reed and Sue who are invisible. The big floating eye of the overseer says that he knows where Reed and Sue are going To the Hall of Heroes. The Solar Ladies say they're going there too, but the Overseer tells them to go deal with the monsters of Lowtown instead. He has other people he can send to the Hall of Heroes. Reed and Sue hear this and they decide to go uh, to the Hall of Heroes. Wait, why? Don't they want to avoid the Hall of Heroes? Johnny and Skye are flying around and Johnny says, my family's in trouble. What are you guys doing to them, Skye?" Skye says the Unparalleled have no beef with the Fantastic Four, so she doesn't know. And then she gets smacked in the face by a big giant stretchy fist. And now I bet she has a beef with the Fantastic Four. Johnny catches her and asks Reed and Sue why they did that. Reed and Sue say that she's a member of the Unparalleled and they're out to get them. Johnny tells Reed and Sue, Yeah, but Skye here also happens to be my soulmate. Understandably, Reed and Sue are taken aback. Sue is like, you've only been here for one day. How did you meet your soulmate? Johnny points out that the soul bindings on Reed and Sue, they've been deemed each other's soulmates. Reed doesn't want to talk about this shit and I don't want to hear it. Reed wants to know where the Hall of Heroes is and Johnny says he was just there and he can lead them back. Reed and Sue get directions, and they start to head off, but Johnny stays behind with Sky. Sue says, This is just like with Crystal. Yeah, or any other woman that Johnny has instantly fallen in love with. Next, Sky gets called out by the Overseer to deal with the monster problem. A problem they created. She asks Johnny to help her, and he says he needs to rejoin his teammates. But when she starts to fly off, Johnny rethinks the idea. It's kind of like he wants to go to the stadium, you know, and get all up in that sky box. He's like, wait! So the monsters have just crawled up from the sewers, and they stink. Ben says he used to crawl through the sewers all the time back in the day, when he was feeling ugly and out of place. Plus you know, back in the 1960s, the sewers were a prime cruising location, so four members of the Unparalleled show up, spouting off some nonsense to the monsters about obeying the rules. You know, I have a good rule for these assholes. Don't turn your people into monsters. Someone hits Ben over and says, Foul creature, I can smell your stench from here. Wait, are they quoting Star Wars? So the water guy Elementa is mocking King Scrum. He's like, Why did you crawl out of that hole? Don't tell me you were scared. Scrum says he hasn't changed. Elementa is still an annoying little twerp. Ben is fighting the guy who can turn his arms into swords and shields. He asked if he would go down to Lowtown if he were deemed a freak. The guy replies that he would, for the benefit of Spire. He wouldn't say that if he knew how ugly the chicks are down there. One of the two solar lesbians, I'm too lazy to keep track of their names, they're named after two sons, I don't know. One of them just noticed that Elementa called Scrum by his real name which is... Crumson. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Why is that important? Citadel and Belter are hanging out at the Hall of Heroes at the request of the Overseer, who has ordered them to kill Reed and Sue when they arrive. Belter, Belter is like, Strange. He's never asked us to kill before. But when Reed and Sue arrive, Belter seems eager to do it. She tosses a bunch of rocks at Sue and Reed, You know, I think she controls asteroids. It's like she has her own little asteroid belt. All these rocks crumble up around Sue and Reed, so even though they're invisible, they can be seen. Reed says he's not there to ruin their perfect society. They already did that to themselves. Citadel calls Reed a liar. You know, from Citadel's point of view, where he is a hotshot, glamorous superhero, yeah, Society seems pretty great. Reed wraps the Citadel up in his stretchy arms, while Sue scoops up all these rocks for the force field and starts tossing them back at Belter. So they leave Citadel and Belter behind and break into the Hall of Heroes. They have a little banter about Johnny's soulmate. Reed says that knowing how Johnny works, he's probably married by now, and Sue suggests that he might even be divorced by now. Reed mentions how they've been using radiation to jam the FF's communication devices, but now he's going to use communicators like makeshift Geiger counters to track the source of the radiation. Back with Johnny and Sky, they go fight the monsters. And Johnny is shooting flames at them. I assume straight up murdering these monsters just because he wants to impress a lady. But then you can figure out what happens next. They end up running into the Thing and the other members of the Unparalleled, and Ben wonders why Johnny is fighting with Sky against the monsters. And Johnny wonders why Ben is fighting with the monsters. And the unparalleled wonder why Sky is fighting with Johnny. And I wonder if it's too late to do an X-Men podcast instead. And then a holographic image of the Overseer appears. And he tells Sky she must choose: choose the people of Spire or choose Johnny Storm. This guy is a real dick. Did he not notice that Johnny was fighting to help? the Overseer and his elitist friends Sky really doesn't want to renounce her soulmate but Overseer implores her to do so and to help defeat the Fantastic Four Reed shows up and screams out that the Overseer is a liar Reed says that the Overseer has been collecting the cosmic rays from 50 light years away and he's learned how to modify and amplify them Richards don't do this Overseer says Dan slot." Don't do this, I say. The issue ends with Reed making a big revelation. Turns out there was nothing wrong with the shields of their rocket, but the cosmic rays that hit the Fantastic Four's rocket were amplified and directed at the rocket by the Overseer. Reed shouts out, He created the Fantastic Four!" Oh, nice try, Dan Slott. But your shitty idea ain't making it into some Fantastic Four movie, that's for sure. I know that's what you're hoping for, but it's not gonna happen. No Marvel Studio money for you! Shitty idea. So that is the end of the issue. You know, one thing I liked about the issue was putting Ben and Johnny on different sides of this planetary conflict, that was a good idea, Uh, but it went nowhere. So that was one thing I didn't like about the issue. The second thing I disliked about this issue, the big revelation at the end. I'm not a big fan of retcons, especially when it involves the origin of the characters. Does Dan Slott really think that from now until the end of time, the overseer of Planet Spire would be mentioned whenever there's a flashback or caption or any other kind of recap of the Fantastic Four's origin? That's taking a simple origin and making it way too complicated. Once there was a similar revelation in the 1980s that Reed planned a failed mission on purpose so they could gain powers, which an issue or two later turned out not to be true. Maybe that's the case here and that by the end of the story we'll learn that the information Reed obtained was not correct. And if not, this is a retcon that will most likely be retconned away, probably by the next writer of this book. It really is a pointless and stupid revelation. What a crappy issue. On a scale of 1 to 4, I give it a 1. Hi, welcome to episode 652, part 2 of the Fantastic Forecast. On every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I've been talking about a different issue of Future Foundation, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to this issue, issue 5. On this episode, it's Future Foundation 5, released in December 2019. Story by Jeremy Whitley, with art by Alti Firmanshia. So we pick up on the damaged Future Foundation ship. The gravity seems to have gone out and everyone is floating around, including Lija the Scroll. Although it seems we don't get a re- reaction from the team about this Lija posing as Yandu revelation, until Alex notices and says, I'm gonna come back to that later. They wonder where Julie is, and the female Bucky, her name is Ricky. They wonder where they've gone. So we go back in time a few minutes where Ricky was on that ship that exploded, so Julie flew out into space and grabbed her and brought her back to safety. So, they're in the hallway alone, and Ricky says, I almost died. And Julie replied, I saved you, we're even now. And they get closer and closer. Ricky says, I wanna kiss you. And then they kiss. You know, hard to believe this book was canceled so quickly. I guess two attractive young women having a hot lesbian makeout session is not what comic fans wanna see. (laughs) <laughs> Go figure. They end up flying down the hallway and falling into this room where it looks like they're gonna make looks like they're gonna do more than kiss. But it turns out it's Bentley's room where everyone is floating around. It seems that Bentley has established a pocket dimension in this bed in his bedroom, which is why they're all safe. Elijah points out that the room to the door is disappearing. No one asks. Hey, who are you? Alex uses his gravity powers to make everyone stop floating and land on the floor. Alex asks for ideas on what they can do next. Someone suggests Dragon Man teleport them out to safety to get help, but Anomi points out that Dragon Man probably won't be able to get back in, now that the ship is gone. Alex turns to Lija and finally asks what the deal is with her, and speaking of complicated origin stories, Lija has to spin a page explaining who she is, all the stuff with her posing as Alicia, marrying Johnny Storm, getting killed, getting resurrected, etc. And then it runs into a second page, with the story of Onslaught happening and Lysia posing as Laura Green and eventually posing as Yandu, a space pirate, that afforded her an easy opportunity to move around the universe. So that two-page recap of who Lijah the Scroll is comes to an end. And I think that's it. Really, no reason for Lija to be in this story at all. Was she supposed to become a member of the team? Anomi drags Bentley off to go find somewhere to get uh, out of this pocket universe. Alex turns and says, Okay, Julie, Julie's girlfriend, what do you got? Ricky doesn't like being called Julie's girlfriend. If you were an alien learning about Earth from reading these FF comics, you would think that's the way it works. Everyone is instant soulmates. Ricky tells everyone that she touched one of Molecule Man's balls, which for a lesbian can be a very traumatic experience. Actually, it was one of those balls with like part of Molecule Man in it, or something like that. She says that after touching it, she got a very weird stuff in her head. She could see every piece of the Molecule Man and other dimensions and where they are. Alex says that's great. She can help find them. And she says that the bad guy who blew up the ship is the Maker. I just looked up the Maker. He's an evil version of Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe. You certainly can accuse Jeremy Whitley of not knowing his FF history. He's got Lysa the Scroll, Bucky from Heroes Reborn, a bad guy from the Ultimate Universe. By the end of this issue, I would not be surprised to see Makismo the Nuclear Man or the Twisted Sisters. Ricky says that a different version of the Maker was included in all the different universes, but share the same mind. Alex asks, why would Franklin do that? And Ricky's like, Franklin, wait? She remembers Franklin as the boy who created her universe, her first universe, that was the Heroes Reborn world. Ricky is like, he created me, the first me. And if he created all the universes, I guess he created all the me's. Why would he create me? Hey, there's only nine pages left, no time for anyone to have an existential crisis. And then, I don't even wanna, I don't even wanna talk about this scene, but Artie and Leech come over and they tell Ricky why Franklin created her. Leech says that she was made to be a friend to Artie and Leech. Yeah, so Franklin made a female version of Bucky Barnes because their favorite superhero is a woman, Invisible Woman, so he made this female uh, character to be a friend of Artie and Leech. Okay, that's an even crazier revelation than the one at the end of this episode's issue of the Fantastic Four. And then Bentley and Anomi come over carrying this large device that is a dimensional gateway made by Franklin Richards and stolen by Bentley. It can be only only be operated by Franklin Richards, but since Franklin isn't around, they're screwed. Ah, but all contraire, Ligia can make herself look like Franklin. Ugh, that's a flimsy-ass reason for including Lijah in this story. Turns out it's more complicated than that. Ricky has to use the essence of Molecule Man in her, sticking her hand into the machine along with Lija and that will operate the machine. Oh no, but it's even more complicated than that. They need some kind of energy source, a very very powerful energy source, but Bentley shows everyone that he has a black hole. Oh wait, that sounds gross. Bentley pulls a miniature black hole out of his pocket and shows everyone. He says that if they used a black hole, it will rip that machine and the dimension apart. He says it'll kill Lijah and Ricky, but the rest of them will be saved. Ligia and Ricky seem okay with it. Ligia even has a smile on her face, which is, what's up with that? Julie is able to do some weird shit where she takes Alex's powers, and she thinks she's strong enough to keep the energy from killing Lijah and her new girlfriend. And then they activate the Dimensional Gateway. Julie's doing some weird power containment stuff, and then... In a weird jump cut that feels like it was tacked on when the series was canceled, Julie and Ricky are still alive, on a beach, relaxing in the sun. The pocket pocket dimension was destroyed, but they survived, as it is revealed. They share a kiss, and then we go over to see Alex and Liza at a picnic table. Alex asks Liza to stay with the group, and she agrees. And that is the end of the issue. Coming in... Coming in 2020, it's the return of Power Pack in Power Pack Grow Up, number one. I'm going to predict that Ricky and Lijah will not be a part of that, so, so the ending of this issue is especially odd. I also have a feeling that they will not be looking for the Molecule Man anymore. Why would anyone want to find Molecule Man, the star of Secret Wars 2? I wouldn't. So that's the end of the issue in the end of a pretty horrible series, except for the lesbian stuff. And I assume if Power Pack is reforming, that puts the final nail in the coffin for this entire Future Foundation stuff. Good riddance. And that is the end of this episode, and I've completed six decades of Fantastic Four adventures. Coming in the next episode, the current, most recent issue of the Fantastic Four. If you have any questions about Lijah the Scroll, about this podcast... Or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over.